listen to episode 138 of the Unnecessary Nonsense podcast. I am Carlos's evil twin. Largely indistinguishable from the standard version, except the goatee. Aside from that, it's the same. On this episode, we're gonna Dave's gonna say words, I'm gonna say words, some of them pertaining to wrestling, some of them pertaining to not wrestling. And that is the standard episode format. Th- that and more on this episode of the Unnecessary Nonsense Podcast. Nailed the intro. Nailed it! I'm thinking that may actually be the best intro you've ever done. Well, listen, we, we might not have that many. We'll see. Well, there's, there's still there's still discussion to be made. I might as well have nailed the landing, you know, perfectly right at this time. I am Carlos's evil twin. That's the same Dave as before. True. Except I don't have a mustache this time. Well, I, I guess that makes a difference. Anyway, so what's going on? All right. So I made a trip last week with my family, but we hmm. made a trip to beautiful, sunny, scenic Rochester, New York. It's not quite as good as Tonawanda, but I suppose... A few things good. are, though, Carlos. A few things mm. are. Facts. Uh, and anyway, our, we had a great Airbnb host. Mm. Uh, we never actually talked to her. We never actually... I saw her briefly. Well, that always but makes it better. Was, but the place was good. But she was one of those people who has, like, a bunch of things prepared for you. So there's, like, a binder of things you can look through and, you know, of, like, you want to eat this kind of food. Here's a bunch of recommendations. You want to go to this kind of store. Here's a bunch of, rec- you know, et cetera, right. et cetera. So right. one of the things she has in there is beer stores, mm. which is always good because whenever you're in the States, a usually beer is cheaper, mm-hmm. uh, especially if it's a brand name beer. Mm-hmm. And second to that, there's more variety. Mm-hmm. So there's a store in Henrietta, New York, which is just south of Rochester, called, believe it or not, Beers of the World. I know. Very original. I feel like I've seen that one. Like uh, you said Henrietta, New York? Yes. I feel like I've seen that name before. Go go on. Anyway, it's a pretty pretty substantial floor space. Mm-hmm. But what they do is basically they, they have some, you know, brewery materials and some things like that and some non-alcoholic beers. But then basically they have, I would say about half the store is beers from around the world. Mm-hmm. And about half the store is the states. But divided up, you know, by state. So mm-hmm. it goes state by state as you go through it. Yeah. So I went there with a purpose. Uh, to look for a specific beer, I came back with much more. But I did find the specific beer, and I bought four cans of each. I got Steve Austin's Broken Skull IPA and ah. Broken Skull Lager. Oh, look at you, thematically appropriate. Well done, well done. And I must say this, I, the IPA was not bad. Mm. The lager leaves a lot to be desired. I feel like I feel like for Steve Austin's branded beer, the IPA would probably be he'd probably have an easier time with an IPA. Yeah, uh, and that was the first one that they did. It's uh, El Segundo Brewery out of California, mm-hmm. and they're the the I'm trying to think the IPA I feel around has been a lo- around for a while, but mm-hmm. the the lager just came out this year. Right. So obviously right. I got both because I wanted to try it, and IPA I was like yeah like I mean is, is it the best IPA I've ever had? No. Uh, but is it a decent IPA? Absolutely. Yeah, the lager, I was like, this is like your typical American lager, which is very light. Fair. Well, there's so. the beer. There's the beer review for the Broken Skull Ranch. Mm-hmm. Well done. Well done. But I did. I also got a few other things. Some, most of which I've had before. Uh, if you ever, this is a recommendation. There is Long Trail Brewing out of Vermont. Mm. It's quite good, and I got some of their summer ale, which I've I haven't had since I was in Vermont several years ago. Uh, I highly recommend that brewery if anyone is listening that gets a chance to do it, or you yourself, Carl, or ever down that way. Uh, it's it's solid, and then got some other ones from around the world. A lot of some German beers, 
Uh, my wife really likes German beer and Pilsners, so kind of mix up from them. Got some beer from El Salvador. And, you know, so it was cool. But it was, uh, if you're any, I know it's kind of random, Hen- Henriette in York, where the hell's that? Well, if you're anywhere, like, in Rochester, kind of driving through Rochester, uh, it's really actually not that inconvenient to kind of, like, you know, get off the I-90, go down, grab it, because it's right off the highway, basically. So, beers of the world, Henriette in New York. There you go. Live the dream. I like it. Sounds good. So that's my story for this week, Carlos. Anything uh, you would like to share? For the most part, no, but I will share one thing, uh, one thing that I think was kind of interesting. Um, basically, uh, and I'll, I'll document it more on my own channel when it comes to it, but I'll give you the short version. I've been doing a little Captain Ahab thing with a particular card that I've been chasing for the Mike Padano collection. It's been ongoing because I've been the underbidder multiple times on this stupid thing. And every single time, the price keeps escalating. Now, because people how, how rare is this card? So there are 12 copies made. So this okay. is from the early 2000s. Uh, Be a player produced a set called Country of Origins. I'm actually going to show you a picture of the card here in a second. Now, uh, and obviously that kind of spoils the point of the story, but not entirely because there's more to the story. So I'm still giving you the short version. The longer version will be on my channel. But as I, as I speak, I'll show you the card. So the card is called the Country of Origin. It is produced in the early 2000s via player. Uh, game right. now, is, that a, is that an American flag patch from the jersey Yes, it there? is. It is. Okay. It is. It's from a Team USA jersey that they wore. I can't remember if it was the 2001 or one of the other ones, but it so is. So it is American a Dallas flag. Stars jersey, though, not a not a USA hockey no, jersey? It's a, t- it's a Team USA jersey, 100%. Okay. Yeah. So basically, right. as a result of that, these ones were actually fairly limited. Obviously, the big players of the era were all in there. There's a Mary Lemieux, there's a Martin Berdur, there's a Patrick Waugh, there's, there's all the guys are in there for that time period. Uh, so this is the Medano one. Now, the tricky thing with this is that a bunch of people try to put together sets. Now, the problem you have is that you've got 12 copies. That's all there is. So it's one of those deals where, uh, and I'm just going to put on the back here. Yeah, piece of flag emblem from an all-star game used jersey. So it was from the all-star game here. And I would wager, since this is 2001-2 series, I would wager it's probably from the 2000 all-star game in Toronto. So I actually have a replica jersey of this in which there is the American flag patch. Except this one's the game used from the all-star game. Uh, Which is a fun little connection, fun little side connection as well. But the end result of this is that this stupid thing, I've been chasing since the early 2000s. Now, the problem is, there are, to my point, there are only 12. Right. Now, the end result of that is that a lot of these early on ended up in sets because some people would chase after. It's rare set to put together, but at the same time, if you're going to try to build a set, this is a challenge. So a lot of them started 20 years ago. I started chasing this a little bit around that time, but it was difficult to come by. Now, the uh, recently, maybe the last year and a half, two years, I've had a couple of shots at getting this. Uh, one of them is that I knew somebody who had two, and I kept angling them, trying to get them to see if they would sell one. They refused, they refused, they refused. And then finally, I think they were going to go to eBay, but then they ended up getting a private offer, and they just took the private offer to my frustration, because I was trying to figure out if I could get them to just shut up and take my money. Right. So couldn't get that done, couldn't get that done. Then finally, one came up for auction. Great. I bid comfortably more than had ever been paid for, for that stupid card, because it had been like in the hundreds five, ten years ago the when the early, because they don't come up all the time. Right. And the last couple were $400. Well, when the one came up for auction, I bid $530 and I lost. This is all American dollars. And the last one was 400 and change, the last couple, and then 530 still not good enough. Still increased it more than it ever been paid before. And I'm going to tell you, I paid even more than that for this stupid thing because God hates us all. <laughs> That's the takeaway. God hates us all. And now, it's was, unjust. It, was this an auction or a best o- offer? 
This was a situation where they had put it up on eBay. And because, again, God hates us all. I just want to emphasize that. God hates us all. Uh, they had it for $999. Not Miro, though. Not Miro. No, 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 no. Well, he, he's mildly annoyed with Miro. They, right now, they have an issue. They, they, they have an issue. They may need to go to counseling. That's a different issue entirely. The point is, God hates us all. Because of that, the person who put it on there put it for $999 or a best offer. And I'm sitting there like, are you fucking kidding me? Are you out of your goddamn mind? So I basically met, so, uh, you know, they, they subtly, not, not that anyone would do this, but they subtly implied that you could reach out to them on Instagram. Subtly. Not that I would do such a thing, circumventing thing. Not that I would ever do that. Not that I would. But they implied that you could. So perhaps someone allegedly reached out to them on Instagram and said, in the politest possible terms, what the fuck are you thinking? Where did you come up with this stupid number? What the hell? Because I made an offer that, again, was higher than had ever been paid for the stupid thing. And they came back with even more than that. And I'm like, are you out of your mind? Are you crazy? I'm already offering more than has ever been paid for the stupid card. Because, again, God hates us all. But, in the end, we were able to come to a deal. Which, again, is still more than anyone's ever paid because stupidity. But, we came to a deal. But because of, you know, U.S., Canada, all kinds of stuff, whatever. The point is I needed to work through an inter a trusted intermediary. I sent them the PayPal. They sent the PayPal. And now the deal is done. And hopefully in the next little while I'll have it in hand with a full-length story to give about my near misses. But I had to go full-on Captain Ahab. But I have near I am close to capturing Moby Dick. Nice. And that's a short version of the story. More to, be more to come later. Yes. I like the tease, Carlos. Yeah. But the point is, do you understand? The anger is real. Like I said, God hates us all. And that's the important takeaway. But nonetheless, we get past that and move on. Now, uh, as far as this episode, uh, I do want to talk a little bit about uh, AEW. Specifically, specifically, I want to focus a lot of my attention on the continued correctness of me, as I usually do. I feel but, like there should be a segment on this program called Carlos was right. There is a segment. It's called the unnecessary nonsense podcast. It's basically the whole show is <laughs> me pointing out how correct I, uh, it's just a vehicle for me to prove this point. The, the, the thing though, is that now there is a little bit of an interesting wrinkle because this week I kind of played into it. There's a couple of little things that kind of lead me down that path. One of them is that, uh, the way dynamite came on and I'm not going to go through the whole, uh, results. May, there, there may be a couple things I'll touch on here, but I want to focus specifically on the current situation with CM Punk. Uh, started off Dynamite with a promo, you know, kind of a bit of a shooty promo, but there were elements to it that were kind of interesting because, uh, you know, he called out, you know, Hangman Page, who is in the building, but he can't come out because he's not part of their current thing going on right now. So then John Moxley comes out, and then they do the thing. They do a little pull apart and everything, and all of a sudden they got a title match next week, which should be intriguing for Dynamite. That should be an intriguing matchup for next week because then the question becomes, okay, so you just put a title match, a unification match on free TV, so now the question is, what do you do? So is this a situation where, again, Tony Khan is playing with the blurring of the lines situation? He's playing with, like, because the reports are that, you know, CM Punk is ha was having some issues with them and made some threats, you know, potentially threatening to just not show up or to leave. Uh, and CM Punk has a history of being a little difficult to work with. He has some legitimate grievances, but he also has very exacting things. He likes things a certain way. And he is the kind of guy who in the past has, if he doesn't like the way things are, he literally just went and left WWE because he goes, screw you guys. I'm not dealing with this anymore. We're done. Mm -hmm. So he is capable of such a thing. However, a wrinkle that we need to add here is we're just putting a unification match on free TV. Which so people what, were expecting to be on All Out. Correct. But now 
you have opened the door to a couple of potential scenarios. Do you actually have the unification match surprising people and have a legitimate result? You could, or someone could interfere. Like a hangman, or like an MJF. Then leading to something else at all. That'd be cool. I don't think that's going to happen, but that'd be pretty sweet. But the, pro but the promise is in play, because MJF has been very quiet since the end, because he's still under contract. And, you know, the reality is he's still under contract, and he hasn't really made any waves doing anything specific. There's been a lot of speculation. There's been a lot of things here and there. And I talked about it at the time where I just said, look, you got to understand something. I genuinely believe, and that's how I say, Tony Khan likes to court danger. And I want to get back to that in a second, that theme. But specifically, I want to focus on this. He likes to court danger in the sense that he's willing to work with, um, you know, shooty elements. He's willing to take actual, some grievances there and kind of play it in this. Like he basically let MJF, you know, tell people off before he was mm -hmm. yanked off TV. It leaves the open question, like the intrigue. If you never see him again, you're covered. If you bring him back again, you can kind of just play off of that, show the clip again, and boom, play it off of that. So you've, you're, you're left with both possibilities um, completely there. I do believe there is some legitimate grievance in the sense that as a guy who started with the company, of all these other people coming in and there being frustration that they're getting paid more and all that, that very much is a real thing. So you could play it into story. So you could start off with a legitimate grievance and a real issue that you have to resolve and then work it into a storyline that then becomes your kind of leading into intrigue. One other element I want to throw at you. Uh, that's why I say like there is a deeper story here. I'm using this as the starting point and then we can build off of that. The other piece of the puzzle that you have to kind of bear in mind, and this is something I was listening to this week. Uh, AEW has its, um, un, has its um, I think it's unscripted. Uh, they've, got, they've got their podcast. That, mm. they, that they do. I believe with, it is unscripted, yeah. yeah. I believe so that's they, the title. Yeah, so they do the podcast with Tony Schiavone and Aubrey Edwards, who do that. Uh, this past episode was dedicated specifically to talking about some internal changes at AEW in their structure, including Tony Schiavone getting promoted to a role that includes a talent relation. They went out of their way to do a podcast specifically talking about enhancing the amount of folks working in talent relations. And Tony Schiavone specifically cited that, hey, our communication, I'm, I'm paraphrasing, but he basically said, you know, our communication with the talent hasn't always been the best. So we're working on improving that and making sure that folks are heard and that they have people to different people to talk to if they can't access Tony directly, et cetera, et cetera. They went out of their way to have a episode dedicated to discussing the behind the scenes inner workings of the office and these new people being put into these positions, which is a good thing. But very interesting. If you consider one of the critiques, like I said, when I talk about the big swole thing and I made fun of it and all that. The one critique that I thought was fair is that there is a thing with structure. The MJF thing is a communication issue. The potential, if there is an issue with CM Punk, that's a communication issue. You've got all these talents who are, you had the, um, the Marco Stunt, who didn't know what his situation was. You had uh, Joey Janela, who didn't know what his situation was. And they're like, what is my situation? Like, am I fired? Am I still here? Am I gone? Like, my country being renewed? Is it not being renewed? That's a talent relation issue. All of these things are, I just want to know what's going on. Can someone tell me what's going on? Who do I talk to? Mm-hmm. And now they've gone out of their way to emphasize. And the point has been, hey, Tony, you're taking on too much. Maybe you need to start delegating. Well. Oh, that's got, been true for a while. Yes. But now you've got this thing with the talent relations thing and, and you know, giving these people authority to talk to the talent and be a, a conduit. And you have an enhancement of a booking committee now with some of the wrestlers and stuff that are specifically or former agents and stuff who have experience doing this, who can assist you in building out, working on storylines. So now you've got a little bit of a booking committee instead of Tony Khan's still the final word, 
but you can have people working on stuff separately who can then go, hey, this is kind of what we have in mind. Are you cool with this? Yep, sounds good. Check mark. Go. And then, you know, it's not all on him to come up with the whole creative, which spreads it out a little bit, which then allows the talent to potentially have people to talk to, people to work with, to come up with the ideas. And then he gives it the, yep, we'll put it on the show. Sounds good. Yeah. Well, that's more of a structure. That's, you know, that's kind of what we've been talking about this whole time. So it's kind of interesting that at the same time, we've got the CM Punk thing, like, okay, is there an issue here? And then we had the MJF thing. Is there an issue here? And now we've got a little bit of an enhancement from the talent relations standpoint, and we've got an enhancement now from a booking thing. So it looks like Tony is finally starting to delegate a little bit, which should have happened a while ago, but it's starting to happen. So is that a reaction to some of the inner workings inside the building where he goes, okay, I can't keep this going because now there are cracks showing up here, here and there. Yeah. So, which is fine. That is to their, that is potentially to their benefit long-term to get finally get it over with because he's not on bad terms with everybody there are folks in the building who are happy with their current situation which is good that means you haven't lost the entire room but you need to start solidifying this and fixing yeah but i think there's a lot of the and it probably goes down to the inconsistency right yeah is that you know people will seemingly be you know in the main storylines or booked for a while and you know you see them every week and then all of a sudden they'll disappear yeah and there's you hear nothing so it's like did they get injured yeah. They, you know, is it part of a storyline or, or what happened to them, right? Because we, how many people have we seen come in, get a huge push, and then disappear? Yeah, and I want to touch on that because I've got a couple of examples that I want to touch on specifically about the, the current product right now, what's going on, on TV. Um, and one of them was it was kind of interesting. So I'll give you a specific one that's kind of a little bit out there separate from this, but then also one that plays into this as well directly. All right. Uh, we talked about how right now Jade feels like the better book champion between in the women's division easily Correct. for because, sure and i'll Even get though that jade athena thing is kind of hanging out there and not a ton you know it was like a lot a lot a lot and then yeah. it kind of was like and now it's kind of coming back a little bit yeah and now they finally hit the accelerator on it uh which is great but now here's the thing one of the things that was going on is athena was kind of indirectly aligned with chris statlander but now chris statlander has gone because she has a knee injury again and i was actually watching and i think it was an episode of dark um and here's what's funny. And this is why you I say watch like dark and every elevation every week. No, no, but I'll watch it a decent amount of time. When I see a couple of matches, look, I actually think there's some good matches on there. Uh, but what I'm looking at is I look at the little thumbnail and if I see a couple of athletes who I don't see every week and I'm like, I'd actually like to see how they're doing right now. Uh, like a Chris Statlander. I'm like, Oh, okay. Chris Statlander has a match on. Sure. I'll check it out. I'll watch the episode and I'll watch a couple of the matches and see how everybody's doing because they, they got good matches on there. They're television quality matches and they put them on dark because they're still filming them in front of an audience. It's not like they're doing it in, you know, in a warehouse somewhere. But the point is that, so she had a match and the match was okay. And it was a good feature match for her. It was just a standard. She was going to, she was going to, you know, give the other person a little bit of offense, but at the end of the day, she was going to win the match and, you know, continue run. She was having, she's been on a great run, but again, it hasn't been used fully exploited to my opinion. And I watched it. And when I watched it, she was finishing the match and she was going to do like a big boot, like a big kick basically, which is, you know, she's got the size to be able to do that, and it's an effective move. The problem is her looked like her knee buckled when she did it. Like, she landed it, but then her knee buckled, and I could see that right away. And then she did finish the match. She finished it with kind of a power move, but immediately she had a noticeable limp. And then I went and I watched the, 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 the Dynamite episode right after that, and there was really no reference to it. And then all of a sudden, right after that, it's like, oh, Chris Adlander's injured. I'm like, yeah, I saw it. <laughs> I was pretty sure that I had seen her get injured. Like it looked to me like there was an injury and I couldn't find any notice of it there, even though right. it, it happened on dark. 
But here's my problem. She got injured on an episode of Dark. When I was like, well, at least if you had had her in some kind of an angle here, it could have been, you could have played it into what's going on. She kind of lost in like a nothing match uh, on Dark. Like there's no consistency in terms of seeing these people. So they are wrestling every week, but you're not seeing them on TV every week. Yeah. So, so it's like, it's problematic where it's like, there's no balance. I want to see if we've got a feud going on, I need some development of the feud every single week. At least something happening every week that's going to. Yeah, it doesn't necessarily have to be a match, but a promo no. or a it can be or... it can be a backstage segment, uh, a video. It can be a pro a standard promo. It can be a video promo, just reminding us what's going on and just keep us in the loop that hey, some stuff's happening here. And but keep every week there should be a little something as long as that feud is ongoing, just so that we don't lose sight of it, because you you can forget about it. It's like oh, I didn't even see anything about it this week, and then we move on. So it's like they'll do these little things where it's like, well, what are you doing? Like, what, what's happening here? Um, so right now she's out. She's out. She's out of the out of the loop, which indirectly opens up the room for Athena. Indirectly opens up the room for Ruby Soho. So like, they've got plenty of depth, but the division is still not being booked in a in a in a way that makes sense. Like, there's still some weirdness. The women's about division it. booking is practically non-existent. It's like, okay, uh, Thunder Rosa needs a match. Uh, it's been, boom, here we go. But even the, even the characters that have developed, like I've talked about this, part of the reason I like Britt Baker is that she actually has a developed character. Mm-hmm. You pretty much know what Britt Baker is. So if you need her to do a promo, she can do that. If you need to do a backstage team, you can, she can do that. You have her out in a match, she can do that. They did the te- to confront Tony Storm weeks on end, she can do that. She can do that. Yeah. So the, you know, kind of rolling back into it. Thank you for giving me the segue here. But like, okay, so now we're going to get Thunder Rosa and Tony Storm uh, mega powers collide. I mean, thunderstorm collide. Um, <laughs> after like three weeks, uh, look, I talked about how I would have booked it. I would have had Thunder Rosa win in an underhanded way in the first match to give you a reason for a rematch. Tony storm is the number one contender. So it's not like she has no reason, but literally they just kind of been teaming up and the thunders are like, there is no women's tag team championship. Why are you a tag team? Yeah. Like, look, I, I'm not complaining because we got a match with Thunder Rosa, Tony storm, uh, Britt Baker and Jamie Hayter, and it was actually a pretty good match. Yeah, I actually thought it was pretty decent. I enjoyed it for what it was, but I was like, "But there's no tag team division. Who cares?" <laughs> I, like I said, I liked the match as a standalone match. I thought it was actually a pretty good match. I enjoyed the match, but but I'm like, but I actually don't understand what point this serves. So you literally had a segment. I think it was on Rampage, where Britt Baker was there with Jamie Hayter, and they did a backstage thing where they're like, "All right, we're not on all out," so. We're out. It's like, <laughs> I'm paraphrasing, but that was basically what it was. Like, I agree. I think one of you should be on the pay-per-view for something. I don't care. Like one, I agree. One of, you, one of you should be on the pay-per-view. <laughs> it's like, I'm like, I'm confused. I don't even understand. You could be doing something with, J- with Britt Baker. You could be doing something with Jamie Hayter. You could have had them have a match for the show. Yeah. You just figure out a reason for them to have a match. Like, just have a fun match. Like, Jamie Hayter could have a match against somebody for... for but have it be for ranking. Have it be to like try to jockey for position to move up the ranking. Do something. Whatever. Um, why wouldn't they want that in theory? Even if it's just, hey, it's just to move up the ranking to get you closer to a title shot. Okay. They should both want that. That makes total sense. Like, okay, fine. I'll do the pay-per-view match so I can move up the ranking. Cool. Great. Sounds great. I'll do it. Yeah. Um, it's stuff like that. It's little things like that that don't make sense to me. And now we'll have this match. And I feel like now we're going to get maybe... Uh, it feels like now we're going to get maybe a Thunder Rosa heel turnish, 
because she she looked like not pleased when Tony Storm won her match. There was like a number one contenders match to finalize it before yep. the pay per view. So fine, you're gonna play it like that, but now you're playing it after the fact. That, that's why I made the Mega Powers joke. It was like they they did this with the with you know, Randy Savage and Hulk Hogan, but they did it over a year. This one's a couple of weeks. You're thunderstorm yeah. for a couple no, of weeks. No, no long term storytelling here. It's like, look, fine. I think we're going to get the result we're looking for eventually here. And there's a real possibility Tony Storm wins in the pay-per-view. Or maybe they, they drag it out to a trilogy and then do it at the next show where maybe Thunder Rosa now is a more defined heel. And that could be more interesting. But you've literally given me nothing to follow with Thunder Rosa. She is the champion, but that's all I got. Right now, that's all I got. She's got the belt. But, like, there's... There, there are these little moments where it's like, this could be good if you would give me that other part, that other piece that I'm looking for. I'll give you another silly example. It's completely. So let's go to the men's division. Let's go to that. Uh, Pac is going to be taking on Kip Sabian. Kip Sabian's been gone for a really long time with injury. Penelope Ford just recently came back on one of the little, I think it was Dark Elevation show. Great. Good. She She's a good hand to have. She actually is very useful in that division. Uh, she looked reasonably sharp in the ring. Not too bad. Uh, but yeah, Kip Sabian's been there with like a cardboard box over his head for like months. Like just hanging out in the crowd with the cardboard box and like literally this is the first time that i can remember them like acknowledging it because during the penelope ford match that i was watching uh they were saying it was like like chris jericho was referencing the guy with the box head he's saying box head over there he goes that's kip sabian put it up before his husband <laughs> i was like i know everybody knows this but it's just been going on forever it's like there is no story to that by the way he's literally just been in the audience with a cardboard box over his head for months actual months and they'll show him occasionally on TV. It's like, it's Buck's head. And he's going to have a match with Pac for the Intercontinental European Eurasian All whatever. Atlantic Championship? Whatever, that one. By the way, it's going to be a good match. <laughs> if he's healthy and ready to go, Kip Sabian's actually pretty decent in the ring. And Pac is great. So I promise you, the match will be decent. But why? Because reasons, Carlos. Because reasons. Look, you want another why? Because, because I can reel them off one after another. Okay, Claudio Castagnoli versus the natural Dustin Rhodes. Why? By the way, he tried to give me a why. He said, I've never been a world champion. You're right. And Claudio Castagnoli also wasn't a world champion for a long time. You're right. So battle of old guy versus old guy, because don't forget Claudio is still in his early 40s. By the way, still plenty in wrestling. He's still in his prime. And he still can wrestle for the next several years and be at a high level. So I'm not worried about him. And Dustin Rhodes is in phenomenal shape. He's gotten himself back into shape the last couple of years. And right now, he can go in the ring. He can do He can do what he needs he's to probably, do. I would say he's probably the best wrestler in their 50s at this point in time. I'd agree with that. Yeah, for sure. And, like, he's solid. And he knows what he's doing. And he's a, he's a crafty veteran. He understands how to structure a match. And Claudio knows how to structure a match. So both those guys can probably put together a fun match that will make total sense as a match. But it was literally like, open challenge! Hey, I haven't done anything in months. I would like to challenge that title. Okay. Nobody else in the back wanted a belt? No? Nothing? Nana? Powerhouse Hobbs? No? <laughs> Ricky Starks? Nah? Hook? Danhausen? Nothing? <laughs> do you understand my point? <laughs> I do. The implication is that no one else wanted the fucking belt. <laughs> I understand that's not what they're trying to sell, but, like, that's what I got out of it. No one else wants a fucking belt. Send the old guy. 
Again, the match will be fine. The match will be good. Well, for sure. Like that that's the thing, right? Is it's is it's I don't know. Sometimes it feels, not all the time, cuz I know there's some issues there. But but sometimes it feels like I don't know. The matches in AEW are there. Yeah, the matches But fine. but why but and if you like wrestling, like I'll enjoy the match because it most of the time because it'd be a good match. But I'm not invested in it. Because there's, you know, no build-up, no story. It's not a continuation of anything. It's not really starting off anything new. It's kind of like, hey, you know what? You know it be a cool match? Hey, you know, it's like, hey, did you know that uh, Dustin Rhodes in WWE for a long time? And Claudio, so was, so was uh, Claudio Casanoli. Hey, did you know they never wrestled each other? Let's have them give a match. Well, they, they did wrestle each other. No, but I'm just saying, but that's kind of, you know what I mean? I'm not saying they didn't. Because I don't actually know that, but no, no, but they talked could, about it. They they have wrestle matches. It's been years, yeah. but yeah, they have. But that's kind of the thing, right? It's sometimes like, hey, so and so or so and so have never wrestled, or they haven't wrestled in this iteration of character, or whatever it is. Yeah, let's put them in. This would be a great match. And if you're nine times out of ten, you're right. It will be a great match. Yeah, but I trust. I trust. I trust those guys with their with their knowledge and abilities. I trust them to have a good solid match it will be enjoyable i think they'll put to, they'll structure it well they'll be given time they'll be able to do what they need to do i have no doubt whatsoever when the match is concluded people will appreciate it and enjoy it yeah but literally all you could do all you need to do here is just have you sit there every time they announce a match with a who cares sign yeah there's these things uh, these little things that just don't fit they're just bizarre um, and to be clear, we talk mainly about AEW, mostly because I'm watching AEW. So I always want to be, make this distinction. Trust me, if I was watching WWE, number one, I would be very angry, constantly. More so. so maybe less angry than you were, say, you know, a month ago. Fair enough. But, like, I would just be absurd, I would be seething with rage, indignant rage, fairly regularly. But Carlos, your back, but we're not calling her that anymore. Yeah, I'm very excited. It's going to be great. Uh, anyway. So the thing is that, yes, I would be filled with rage, but I can guarantee that I would find an equivalent amount of this shit stupid and doesn't make any sense in WWE, because there is. There's plenty of this shit stupid and this doesn't make any sense either. And I, I you know what? I'm going to bring you an example right now. I was listening to a bunch of folks on the, on the wrestling, you know, the IWC, the whole bit, and they were, they were foaming at the mouth, lathering themselves with excitement because Kevin Owens had a big promo and Drew McIntyre had a big promo and they like said like, you know, like things that are true and they got so excited. It was like, oh my God. And Kevin Owens invoked the prize fighter and everything. Here's the thing. I love Kevin Owens. I think he's fantastic. I think he's great. I, maybe I'm the only guy, but when I listen to Kevin Owens, everything he said, he said with conviction, he said it with like, you know, purpose. He was very strong in what he was saying. He was responding to what Drew McIntyre was saying. And the two guys had a back and forth and the whole bit. There was intensity and all that. But when I listen to Kevin Owens, I think you, Kevin Owens, your character, the character you play, is a fucking moron. You know how I know that? Because you did all these things, you said all these things, and you basically said, ah, I need to bring back the prize fighter. I haven't held the championship in five years. It's like, well, you didn't give a fuck for five years. Not Kevin Owens the man, but like Kevin Owens the character clearly didn't care that much about winning titles. He would have these overtures, these moments where he would kind of like sort of do stuff sort of towards, but he was he was quite content feuding with Elias forever. That was not a problem. 
You could have been going after a title instead of doing that. Instead of worrying about exposing, sorry, Ezekiel. Instead of worrying about exposing Ezekiel, you could have been going after a title then. Now, Triple H is in charge. Well, now Kevin Owens gives a shit about titles. Oh, okay. Cool. Good to know. What were you doing the last five years? Bucket off? Yeah. <laughs> Nothing. It, it, this is the same problem I had when they did the Kofi Mania thing. People were like, oh my God, Kofi deserves it. Kofi, after all these years, is finally getting a title shot. Kofi had a 5,000 opportunities to get a title shot. Kofi Kingston, the character, the character, I'm emphasizing character. Kofi Kingston, the character, did not give a fuck. At all. Because he didn't do what he needed to. Look, if you're this determined, and I'm serious about this, in professional wrestling, if you care this much about getting a title shot, you don't wait your turn. You don't sit there and go like, I'll win the money in a bank. Yes, it would be nice. That's one direct way. That'd be great. Or I'll win the Royal Rumble. Yes, you can. That's another way you can do it. Or you could just attack the champion every week until until you force him to give you a title shot. If you are hellbent and you just want a title shot, attack the champion at every turn. Find Roman Reigns and beat him senseless with a chair 5,000 times. And go, give me a championship opportunity. And if he doesn't, go attack him again. Run him over the car. Run him over the tractor trailer. Run over his cousins. Run over his mother. I don't care. Do whatever you have to do. And make him give you a title shot. If that's what you actually want. Yeah. Or you can sit your ass and be happy for 10 years. And then after the fact, tell me, well, for the last 10 years, I've been denied. No, you hucky haven't. You didn't care. <laughs> because that's what your character has told me. Your character did not care. Yeah. during this time if you had wanted a championship so badly you would have gone th moved heaven and earth to make it happen am i am i losing my mind am i the only one who sees this i i don't know like i, I uh, even even talking about this one thing fills me with seething rage just one thing imagine if i had to talk about the whole show i'd be like Grr. i need my beer dave i need my beer oh i'm gonna calm myself down i need my beer oh you can say something while I'm drinking. Better. I'm just no. Sake. I was just. I wanted to give you your moment so you could, you know, enjoy it. Oh my god! What beer are you drinking? Uh, this is the uh, Bone Shaker IPA. Speaking of IPAs, okay. But in all seriousness, do you get my point? I like, do. Uh, but like, absolutely. But look, again, nothing was wrong with the promo. But I listened to your words because I went and watched. I went on YouTube and watched this promo, and I said, I get the intensity. I get why you guys liked it. Both guys sound like fucking idiots to me. Yeah, but the but, problem is, at least I think the problem is, is that the majority of people who are watching the product don't think the way you do. Yeah, but and they also don't remember anything that happened five seconds ago. They got the memory of goldfish. I'm like, you, you just said you haven't had a title in five years. And I'm like, okay, so what were you doing the last five years? I don't need to go back five years. I can go back a couple of weeks. You were trying to expose Ezekiel. Why would you care about that if you care about championships? And he literally tried to explain his way around. He's like, I came to the arena today. And I remembered that I had a big match with Sami Zayn in this arena, blah, blah, blah. And I was thinking, I should bring back the prize fighter. I'm paraphrasing. And I'm like, so after five years, you just showed up to the arena, and today is the day? You know what? I've decided now I care. I want the championship. So whichever one of you wins, I am fighting them. Well, thank you. Thank you for letting us know. I appreciate it. This is still stupid. Triple H, still stupid. It's better than it was, yes. But that, like, it, it's such a low bar we're starting with. Like, it's so low. It's subterranean. How could you do worse? My God. But anyway, fine. Y'all, WB, great. Be excited. Ooh. Anyway. Okay, cool. 
Uh, other thing, real quick. Uh, I am enjoying the um, I am enjoying the Daniel Bryan, uh, you know, uh, Daniel Garcia thing. That was fun. I think that was fun. Having Ricky the Dragon Steve hold around, that was kind of fun with the House of Dragon theme. I did I did kind of enjoy that. I thought it was nice. That was a nice touch. I love that they did bring back Killian King, who I think is actually quite good. And uh, but again, I don't have any confidence that they'd use her. I just don't have the confidence. Yeah. Uh, because I think she's quite good. I've seen her do some stuff on the indies as well, and I think she'd actually. But again, you have to figure out what you have her do. Like she, she's like six feet tall. She's actually very imposing compared to a lot of the other women. Like you can buy that she would be a threat. So like you could use that. Especially right now, Statlander's back on the shelf. So wouldn't it be nice to have somebody like that has a little bit of stature and looks like imposing, but then you got to take it seriously. <laughs> you got to be like, hey, um, you know, you got to want to do that. Um, I love that Kenny Omega's back. That's great. Um, I think he's still broken. Sorry, sorry. Stop yourself for a second here. Uh, I will never stop myself, Dave. Can't stop. Won't stop. That Kenny Omega is the best wrestler who's never been in WWE. <sighs> Best wrestler for the longest for the longest time, that that was Sting's title, mm-hmm, right? right? Uh, but obviously Sting went to WWE mm-hmm. for an extremely unmemorable run. Mm-hmm. But now I was thinking about it. I'm like, in my opinion, I think from mm-hmm. just based on a pure st- talent standpoint, mm-hmm. that Kenny Omega is probably the best wrestler who's never been in WWE. Um, do we count? Um. So, so let me let me let me make a separation. Right. I, I don't have a problem with your assertion, but I want to make a distinction here. Okay. If we're talking about raw in ring talent, impressive, you know, uh, ability in the ring, I'm inclined to agree with you because I think that's uh, because I think it's hard to top his physical skills in the ring when he's at his best. Uh, right now, he's diminished because I do believe he's still super injured. I think he's I think he's sincere when he said this is kind of his. If any, if he has any other major setback, he's done wrestling because he had so many surgeries. Like after the last one, he had vertigo. He had a bunch of injuries. He had like three or four surgeries to repair, like shoulder, all kinds of stuff. Like he, he, he's a broken, broken man. He's only thirty-eight. Yeah, but here's the thing: with his style of wrestling, it's so high impact, so much stuff he was doing. But I want you to think about this: he wrestled his last match prior to this in a championship match to get Hangman Page over with vertigo. And think of his style. He literally leaps in the air. Imagine doing that with vertigo. Yeah. There are people who can't walk a straight line with vertigo. And he, he, was, he did an interview. He was talking about it. He had to adjust the fact that things felt like they were shifting. Because with vertigo, I think it's like it feels like it's like the room is spinning or whatever the area. Like, you're not stable. You don't feel like you're stable. Now, imagine wrestling Kenny Omega's style when it doesn't feel like the ground is stable and you're, you're standing yeah, on it. that's insane. Yeah. And he was still able to wrestle at a very high level and have these matches and... Yeah, super impressive, huge respect for Kenny Omega and what he was able to do. But it wouldn't surprise me. Like, he, he gets one more physical setback, and he, he would probably well, just I mean, hang he's clearly not at full strength. I mean, he's... Oh, no, no, no. Look at the gear he wore to the ring. Yeah. But it was cool, because the crowd was into it, and the whole big, elaborate intro and everything was fun. And they did the North Carolina line, so they had a little fun with that. So it was fun for everybody. It was able, Because as soon as they started with the elaborate intro and Justin Roberts started doing the whole thing, the crowd knew exactly who it was. So I think it was good. I think from the reaction standpoint, it's good. But I want to be. But again, I want to be careful with AEW. We shouldn't be chasing the moment. Uh, as long as Kenny Omega can go in the ring, he'll be helpful. He's an asset. But it's one of those things where it's like I wouldn't put too much on him because I don't want to have to rely on him because right now he's one more injury away from being done. So you want to be careful. Um, if he's able to physically wrestle the style, uh, I would I would tone it down a little just to be safer. But if he can wrestle. 
If he can wrestle 70% of Kenny Omega, that's really good. That's really high level. Uh, going back to your point, though. In ring, it's hard to top Kenny Omega for being outside WWE. If I'm talking about a character-wise, uh, a person who has the potential, and who may end up there in the end eventually, it's hard to top a young, a young prospect like an MJF. Because from a character standpoint, he's huge. I just don't know if he'd be able to do it in WWE. Triple H or not, I don't think his promo style... I think they'd still have to neuter it a lot <laughs> uh, because it'd be very dangerous. But like he did the cup of coffee, right? He was in WWE as like a, a lackey stand-in that Samojo shoved and they did the little callback to it. So like a couple of, Britt Baker was an enhancement talent in Nia Jax. So it's not like these folks have, they've been in WWE, if you get what I'm saying, but not, not like really. If that's not yeah. the same Britt Baker that you get today. The Brad Britt Baker today would be a championship contender. You could put her in with Becky Lynch's and ronda rousey's and stuff and it wouldn't people wouldn't have an issue that one was an enhancement talent who you basically destroy in a couple of seconds because she she was coming off the indies and didn't have that kind of clout but um yeah in ring i think you're right kenny omega would be probably right at the top of my list um i like hangman as an overall character as well uh he, he when he's at his best he's got a lot going for him that's another good one um he's not as good in ring as a kenny but he's, he also has a little bit of character kenny omega's big flaw is that sometimes he's a little bit too theatrical with his promo style. He is a little bit on the goofy side when he tries to convey it. He can be, but even as a villain, like when he was at the tail end of his run there, as a villain, he was almost like a, like a, if he had a big long mustache, he, it would be curled at the end and he'd be doing all this. Yeah. It, was, it was like, it's so off the wall. It's like, it's goofy, but in ring, the guy gets it done. Like there's no question, no doubt. Uh, and other guys who are in ring are capable of, although they did do some, uh, some stuff back in the day, uh, in ring, the Young Bucks are about as good as it gets uh, for tag team wrestling. But it's if you're into the more high-flying, spot-festy style. Because that's that's their style. That's what they do. Um, but I think, yeah, I think it'd be a short list. There's, but there are a handful of them. I think Kenny Omega would be right up there for me. Uh, so I agree with that statement. Um, one more thing I kind of mainly wanted to touch on, and then there's, if there's anything else that you want to touch on, we definitely can. Uh, real quick, I wanted to, I'm just scrolling through to make sure I captured it uh jericho appreciation society blah 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 um scrolling through i am concerned um i'm still concerned uh right now with aw i'm still concerned from a storyline standpoint i still don't get the jungle boy christian end game here mm. like i want to see jungle boy do deliver a little bit better in promos because he's trying to deliver like pipe bomb type promos but he looks uncomfortable doing it yeah. again smarmy christian is my favorite right now He's great. Smarmy Christian is my favorite Christian. I love Smarmy Christian. He's so good. But the important thing is, Dave, I don't have the answer to this question. Whose side is Luchasaurus on? That's a good question. Like, the, the, like I'm confused. He wasn't even on the show this past week. Like, come on, man. Help me. Like, I don't understand. I, I do enjoy, I am enjoying the Trios Championship. That's cool. And obviously gave him a good excuse to bring on, uh, to bring Kenny Omega back. So that was good for the main event segment. It was a good match. Uh, but yeah, Kenny Omega right now, I wouldn't lean on him too much because like, he, he is very much broken. And you can tell he's broken. It's one of those things. It's just, it is what it is. Uh, there were some elements of it that I've enjoyed and stuff. And I'm just trying to see if there's anything on Rampage that caught my eye. Not really. I already talked about the Dustin Rhodes thing. That'll be fun. Um, but they're relying, okay, let me put it this way. If I was going to put this as a theme, they're relying a lot on these one-off like moments and interesting little things like, John Moxley challenged Chris Jericho to be Lionheart Chris Jericho, which gave him an excuse to do the old video package with and the Lionheart thing. And he came out in the gear and he looked good. He did a good job, you know, 
presenting it. But at the end of the day, he's still kind of Chris Jericho of today. Like, <laughs> Lionheart Chris Jericho was a lot younger. <laughs> but uh, he was able to, like, mimic elements of it. He can still do the springboard moonsault and stuff. Like, it's not like he can't do any of it, but it's, but it's like Chris Jericho's moved on. <laughs> like, he can't replicate that exact thing that he used to do. But it was fun for a night. It was kind of cool. And they'll still bring in some folks, and it's kind of fun. And um, it was a couple of weeks back. But maybe in a nutshell, we talked about it a little bit. Like, the perfect example of where AEW still feels like it's a little directionless is stuff like the Battle of the Belts thing that they did a couple of weeks back. Yeah. We talked about it a little bit. And it was like, on paper, this sounds great. But because you know it's an hour and you have to pre-tape it, it's not must-watch. And, and nothing's going to change. We talked about it. Like, no, no belts are going to change hands on this. It's a pre-taped show. You're not going to change the belts. So it's almost like, what's the point then? If you could have gotten an hour live, okay, maybe maybe something happens. That'd be kind of cool. And then run a two-hour show for the locals and then do it where, like, you maybe a title changes hands, but you got to put a couple extra title matches in there. Maybe you could have done it. Again, I'm concerned. I have worries about a lot of these little things. I'm hoping to right the ship. I'm just worried that Tony hasn't learned his lesson fast enough. Having a booking committee is a good step. Finally acknowledging that you need help with talent relations and actually communicating with the talent more. But it's like you're stopping the bleeding. It didn't have to bleed. You didn't have to let the cut develop in the first place. You had an opportunity a while ago to start this process. You shouldn't be like throwing everything at the wall now to try to fix it at this moment. The good news is WWE will still continue to do dumb shit like, I know I, I, know I didn't care the last five years, but now I want gold. Okay, buddy. Thanks, bro. Appreciate you. Good to know. Carlos. He walked into the arena. It's like that. Uh, you ever seen Evil? I think it's in Evil Dead Two. Have you ever seen any of those movies? I've seen a little. I, 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 the Army of Darkness, honestly, is the only one that I watched all the way through. Okay. So there's a, there's a, a thing where it's like the girlfriend turns into a no a deadite. He turns into a deadite. Yeah. Briefly. Okay. And then he sees his girlfriend's necklace, and like becomes okay again. Hmm. Right, and and they have in Evil Dead the musical. They made a, a big joke about that. But he's like, they're like, man, and he's like, I'm okay, I'm all right. Seeing my girlfriend, my dead girlfriend's necklace made me all right. right? It's like, like how preposterous is that, right? But yeah, but it, it, that's kind of the issue is that look, I criticized WWE for a lot of things, deservedly so, and I'm criticizing AW. Like if you if you've been listening the last seven weeks, I am criticizing AW because it's like there's a lot of this weird shit they do. But WWE retcon shit all the time. All the time. They're like, retcon. Uh, so, ba I, so basically everything I already knew about this character, I'm supposed to just forget to make this work for you. Like to fit this narrative, I have to just forget the last five years. Pretend it didn't happen. Don't worry about it. Okay then. Sure. You were content being in a comedy feud for months. And now you want a championship. What's changed? Well, what, booking changed. Is really what's all that's changed. exactly it. And it's like, look, fine. If you, that's what you want to do, that's what you want to do, man. But like, but let's on. let's let's try and find a better reason for switching. It would have been easier if he just said he got bunked on the head and just showed her that. Oh, he was he had amnesia. He forgot he was the prize fighter. Still stupid, by the way. Um, I don't know, man. And it's the same thing. Like right now, we they've got the thing going on. Like Alexa Bliss is just kind of hanging around. It's like, okay, so you brought back Alexa Bliss. You kind of tweaked her character. She's still got the doll. So, like, what is she now? And the rumor mill has, hey, they bring back Ray Wyatt. Who cares? Like, you're going to give me more Fiend? Like, is that really what we need here? We need that? Where? Where do we need that? I don't need that. 
it serves no purpose. You got something else? You got a different idea? We already have, you know, uh, you know, the evil society of Judgment Day, whatever, led by Finn Balor, and, you know, uh, in the same vein, uh, you've got Rhea Ripley, who doesn't care about winning a women's championship. She'd rather fight Dominic Mysterio for reasons that will never be known. Eventually, she'll be like, wait a minute, I walked into the arena today and realized that I should try to win the women's championship. Really? Excellent. Good to know, Rhea. Thanks for letting us know. And then Edge will come back. And I think he's already back or whatever. Anyway, the point is, Edge Edge is the same thing. Edge came back, and then he did the whole thing, and then he had Judgment Day, and then he got booted out of Judgment Day, and now he's feuding with Judgment Day. And I'm sitting there like, you brought Edge back for what? Oh, but this match, the people are so excited. It was, it was for the moment. You did the same thing that I just critiqued AEW for. You brought back Edge for the moment, for the pop when he makes the return, and then for the pop when he makes the return again. And just, that's all he's here for, just to do that. Because it's like, otherwise, his entire run during his comeback is meaningless. None of it matters. You didn't even have to do it. I understood that the matches were good. I understood. But it's the same thing. Edge is a microcosm of exactly what I just criticized AEW for. And the WWE guys just accept this. Oh, but Edge is back. But it doesn't mean anything. Who cares? Why is Edge back? What is he here? Does he have unfinished business? By the way, everybody, he retired as champion. That could have been your story, but instead he feuded with Randy Orton. So he obviously didn't care about that. Anyone? Nothing? Huh? Yeah. And he got to do a tag team match with his wife against the Miz and Maurice because reasons. Everybody who has a spouse in the business eventually has a tag team match with Miz and Maurice. It's like a rite of passage. If Adam Cole and Britt Baker ever got to WWE, they would have a match with Miz and Maurice. Because reasons. You have to do it. It's part of the checklist, everybody. You come to WWE and you're a couple, you gotta do it. Stupid. It's stupid. It's all stupid. And then he turned heel right after that. It's stupid. It's all stupid. All of it. <sighs> I think that sums it up right there. Right? I don't know, Dave. I, uh, I think that's that's the perfect way to end the show, Carlos. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, uh, hold on. Hold on, hold on. We're doing it. We're doing it live. It's coming. Boom! I forgot about it until just now. <laughs> Boom! Did it! Those of you listening to audio, nothing happened. You saw nothing! Literally, you True. saw nothing. You, you see nothing when you listen to audio. You, you've never seen that it. That is a fact. Yes. But if you weren't, if you were seeing something, you saw nothing. Indeed. I do Spotify, Google Play, wherever they play podcasts, etc. Blah, blah, blah. I watch it on YouTube. You can see my 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 rage and Dave's contentment at watching my rage. Fact. Indeed. Fact. That's it. That's it for us on this episode. Uh, leave a comment if you do the YouTube daily. Hit the like. Subscribe to the channel. All that good stuff. And on the audio version, um, give a five-star review or whatever that is. Cool? All right. Sounds Same good. Story. We'll catch you in the next episode. Necessary, unnecessary Nonsense Podcast.